Welcome to the Wounded Healers podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Amy. And I'm Janessa. We are two women who were diagnosed with autoimmune diseases in our early 20s. We were lucky enough to find each other and find community and it's something that we want to bring to anyone else who may be in a similar place. Hi everyone, welcome back to Wounded Healers. Yes, how are you Amy? Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Um, Yeah, looking forward to today's episode because we're going to mix it up a little bit and do something different today where we answer your questions. Yes, we got some really awesome feedback for the Q&A episode today. And yeah, I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, I'm excited too. I don't know about you, Janessa, but I'm excited to do something like that isn't so much pour our own hearts out <laughs> and yes. into a story. I would like do something a bit more, maybe a bit more like fun and quick and not that the previous ones haven't been fun, but they've been feeling quite intense, you know. So definitely looking forward to mixing up the format a little bit. Totally. Yeah, it's important, I think, to switch it up and make sure to leave some room for play and also just fun stuff. So there, I mean, there's some deep hitter questions yeah. in here. So we'll have those, but it's going to be a nice little mix in here. So I'm mm-hmm. excited for, for this recording. Yeah, me too, me too. So without further ado, shall we just kind of get to it? Yeah. Um, The first one that I saw the questions was, how long did it take you both to get back into a more normal active slash workout routine again? Yeah, I have an answer to this question, but I don't think it's what the people are going to want to hear because... (laughs) Unfortunately, the honest answer to that question is years, like maybe, maybe like four years really to get back to like proper flow of exercise. I definitely, I started exercising again. I mean, I did exercise like probably like six months after diagnosis, but it was it normally worsened my symptoms and I didn't know what I was doing and I was overreaching and ending up fatigued and hurting myself. Um, So yeah, honestly, trial and error of at least three years of different things of like going to the gym, not liking that, going to classes, realizing like which classes I could and couldn't keep up with. And yeah, to be truly like in a flow and really confident with what I'm doing and feeling like my body has 100% recovered, honestly, if not in better shape than I was before I was diagnosed, I would say four years. So yeah, I know that's probably gonna hurt a lot of people because it would have hurt me if I'd just been diagnosed, if I heard that. Um, Jess, I don't know, can you, do you have a... Do you have a shorter time period to suggest? Um, Well, a little bit shorter, but not by much. Um, Actually, the answer that I have to this is that it took me at least a year to a year and a half. And I think I was on the shorter end of that. Um, But I was pretty much thinking that for me, what was key in being able to be more active and be able to work out was really a change of environment. 
So in the previous episodes, you all heard I was living in Washington State when I was going to college, and that environment is really cold. It's kind of dreary. It's very gray skies all the time, and my mental health was struggling. My physical health was struggling, so I really needed to completely just like reset. So when I changed my environment, um, I was in a warmer place moving back to California, and I had the support of my family, which was really nice. I didn't have that in Washington. So um, that helped a lot. And once I had time to feel supported, I was able to actually like, I lived with my parents, Zach and I lived with my parents for the first two months that we moved here to California. And we knew we were going to do this because I knew that the move was going to be stressful and that I would flare up during it because I already basically was always flared up. So um, yeah, we just took time. And what I did is I was able to rest and restore while my mom helped cook for me and helped me literally get dressed. And um, it was a really painful time for me. But after a year of really making small sustainable changes and I credit my mom a lot for this but she would be like hey let's go for a little walk like just down the street like she wouldn't even say the block she wouldn't even say like you know a mile she'd be like let's just walk down the street and that's all we would do we just walk to the end of the street back into the house and that was like enough for me at the time but when I slowly got more comfortable with that like I started going a little farther than the street with my mom and that felt really good so yeah it takes a lot of time, but um, with those small sustainable steps and with good support in a good, healthy environment, I believe that you can do this in, you know, in due time. Mm, Yeah, that's you've raised a really interesting point because I think one thing I was going to say is that like my lifestyle definitely lens or the the kind of the COVID the COVID lifestyle not that it was a lifestyle but that really changed the way that I was able to exercise so when I think about it it probably goes quite coherently with that in that I used to work in an office five days a week and that was when I struggled with the consistency with exercise and becoming really fatigued but it's obviously because I had so much other stuff going on and then it was actually during COVID when we started working at home five days a week then I was able to go out before work for walks and I was able to like do Pilates like as soon as I closed the laptop literally at like 5 p.m I could do Pilates and obviously my just my general physical output was much less at that time so um yeah it's a really interesting point that you raised that whatever you it's obviously not practical and not everyone can do a 100% remote work um or a 100% remote job but um yeah definitely maybe something to think about for anyone out there um if that if that is something that's accessible to you because that probably was a big a big part of the reason that I was able to pick up exercise again do we I think we had another one about exercise if I remember oh yes we had what kind of exercises have helped you experience less flares afterwards um so I do have an answer to this I feel like I constantly bang on about it but basically it's anything without super high impact so the absolute the best things I have found are walking and pilates like that is all basically all I do now I don't even attempt to do anything else because um 
I, I'm just I don't know I guess I like worry about what might happen in all honesty um but yeah so long walks fairly gentle with like some good elevation I think is what helps with like my cardio um so I have like a common near me where I'll walk and that's just been amazing um and then yeah Pilates I'm just like it's just phenomenal it's like low impact half of it's on your back so like you're not even on your hands and wrists um but it's all really really adaptable um yeah but it's really challenging and it's great for conditioning your muscles this is something that I the the way I think about exercise has really changed because there was a time where I was like exercising like to be slim I guess and that was like my goal and now I literally exercise to condition my muscles to help prolong the health of my joints literally like that is what I'm thinking I'm like doing this is helping the joint inside um and I just find that Pilates is amazing for connecting my mind to that um and like building that process and yeah I just I couldn't I couldn't rave about it more I love to hear that because yeah, that gives me hope for Pilates because I just started like trying like home videos for Pilates and I'm like really considering doing more of that. So that actually inspires me. Um, and to add on to what you were just saying, Amy, I would say um, for me, bar blend helped a lot. And that's kind of like a it, there is a bar involved or a chair if you're doing it at home or some stable surface. But that was a lot of like there is some standing, but there's a lot of chair moves that are fairly accessible for folks. And it is a lot of like your muscular skeletal system mm -hmm. workout. So you're not like lifting weights, but you're using your own body weight. Um, yeah. as like countering weight. So, um, that has been really helpful. That was actually the first workout thing I really got into after walking with bar blend. Mm -hmm. And I know our friend, our friend Kirsten as well. So you can health coach Kirsten on Instagram. She loves bar as well. She loves bar blend. So, and she has RA as well. So it must be, yeah, it's a tried and tested formula. Yes. We love Kirsten. <laughs> um, I was also going to add in there that like later on for me, um, elliptical was helpful. And I know that's not going to be a one size fits all thing at all. Nothing is, but especially that because I've heard the opposite from folks where it's like, that does not feel good on my knees. Also, now I know if you're in the UK, this is a cross trainer. <laughs> yeah. If you've listened to our previous episodes, you'll know the confusion around <laughs> the elliptical in the UK. Exactly. So Yes. Yeah, so that has been really helpful for me though. I just go slow. I don't go super fast and I just focus on like evenly displaying the weight on my feet, um, which is kind of hard because I have RA and quite a few toes. Mm -hmm. So I try and like evenly display the weight in a way that's not painful, mm -hmm. but in a way that's not going to like tweak anything else if I were to put the weight in a different way. Like, yeah. 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 You, you have yeah you have to be really connected to what's going on in your body and I think and this is why I would really encourage anyone that has RA or a chronic illness I would really encourage you to exercise because it's really easy to be like oh I'm 
poorly so I'm not going to do that or like I'm worried I'm going to hurt myself so I'm not going to do that but I have found it an amazing way to reconnect with my body after you know my body went through something pretty traumatic and be you know things like um what Janessa was just saying about like making sure her weight is evenly placed through her feet things like that when you're exercising and you have to be that connected with your body I just think that's really amazing for your like physical but also your emotional healing as well and being able to reconnect with your body in that way so um yeah just wanted to throw that out there I love that well uh, there was another question we got as well Amy that said um the question was best exercises slash cardio with RA that will get you sweaty Mm. and adrenaline pumping without hurting your knees and feet and I think that segues really well into what we've been talking about as well Mm -hmm. um there also was a a, (laughs) it's not cardio but talking about getting sweaty and getting your heart pumping I when I went to the gym I used to use the sauna all the time and I think that's amazing um, for RA. I wish I could do it now, but I I don't spend the money on the gym anymore. Um, but yes, I do think saunas have loads of health benefits. Generally, they can help like your long-term risk of heart disease and stuff like that, which people with chronic illness can be more predisposed to. Um, and yeah, it's just like the it's just like the cheat way <laughs> of getting, I would come out the sauna like, oh, good, don't have to do any cardio now. <laughs> I love that I love that because I also put down sauna as one of the things and the crazy thing is so it's like you know there's only x amount of ways the body can release toxins and sweating is one of them crying is another um your bowel movements and urine as well um and those are the primary ways that we get rid of toxins out of the body so it's pretty amazing like your skin's the largest organ in your whole body Um, And so when you're in the sauna and you're really getting a good sweat out, you really are releasing a lot of toxins, which overburden our system. And especially if you like, if you have an autoimmune disease or any ailment you're dealing with, your body is already at its max capacity, just about trying to help mend where you're at. So if you can spend some time in a sauna, it's really helpful for your body because you're saying, hey, let's get some of these toxins out of here so you don't have to keep trying to process these. Mm. Um, So yeah, I love it for that. And then something I was going to add, this is a little random, but um, I read a book a while back by Jessie Goulden, who I really love. She's an amazing person. She has rheumatoid arthritis as well. And um, I find her super inspiring, but she said to make sure that once you sauna that you shower right after that's usually a normal protocol as you shower before you shower after but some science behind the showering after is that once you've sweated out toxins those are on your skin and you actually want to wash them off because your skin is very porous and can absorb some of that back in and have to reprocess so if you sauna shower after so you don't have to reprocess those toxins nice Who's this person that you're talking about? I've never heard of her. Oh my gosh. She is my girl crush. I'm about to girl crush out. Jessie Golden <laughs> is amazing. She's an author. She is a model as well. And she's a like yogi and just extraordinaire. So if you don't know her, just like straight up 
after this episode, finish this episode, <laughs> go on Instagram, <laughs> look up Jesse Golden. And she is just like the most radiant, one of the most radiant beings I've ever yeah. seen. She's doing so much to take care of herself on so many levels that you can literally see it like radiate out of her. So uh, very inspiring. That is like the absolute goal. Like when all I do is just write that like I want to be radiant. That's all I want. It's just like a journal. Like my future self is radiant. That's all I want. So yeah, I'll definitely be checking out Jesse. Yes. Um, and yeah, okay. So to wrap up that question, sorry, I, I love I love a good sauna. I'm so excited you brought that yeah. up too. Um, I was gonna also include too that like what Amy was saying earlier about your mindset shift. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really amazing to shift your mind from appearance to functionality. And I also had that shift. I always was very harsh to myself in a gym about my appearance and was always worried that other people were judging me. And um, so when I went to step into a gym after years of not being in one due to RA, I felt even more, I don't know, like scared really, to be honest, just in the most basic thing. Mm -hmm. But I realized the older I'm getting that like, everybody is there to work on some aspect of themselves and everybody is truly, truly focused on those aspects of themselves. And they're really not looking at you usually. And they're not, they don't know what you're going through and you don't know what they're going through. So you don't even need to worry about what they're thinking. And um, so, yeah, I just said, you know, the, the mindset shift, you know, what Amy was saying is just it's a mantra I tell myself is like, I am working out to maintain, you know, my strength. And I know that every time I work out that I am helping my body. Like I, yeah, it's, it can be spiritual. I feel like working out can be so spiritual in the sense mm-hmm. that like, if you come at it with an intention of like, I'm doing this to honor my body and to like feel connected. Yeah. That's amazing. Should we, segue to a little bit of a different topic now yeah I know there's a couple of questions about dating which I think it would be fun to answer and I actually I have something to contribute because I was dating I like had a period of dating recently so I have been in these exact shoes of um not knowing what to say or when to say it and how to word it and all of that stuff um so yeah, I've kind of a couple of months ago I was bumbling, um, which is a which is an experience in itself. Um, I guess you you had already um, like kind of settled down before dating apps were major. Oh no, you were tindering, weren't you? You were tindering a lot when you were first diagnosed. Yeah, <laughs> too. I was too late for Bumble. It mm. came out like once I was coupled up, and I do yeah. remember my friends showing me it, and I was definitely a little. A little jelly, a little envious because <laughs> I was like, man, this seems like such a better idea. Like putting this into more of like a female perspective of like, mm. oh, I'm interested in you. Let's reverse that. So yeah. And you know, the woman that founded Bumble, she was like fired from Tinder because she was like sexually harassed. What? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. That's why, that is literally why I was using Bumble. So I was like, got to support, got to support our girl. I forget her name, but I was like, got to support her. But uh, yeah, anyway, we digress. Yes. We digress. Um, but when I was, when I was bumbling, um, 
people you know often ask you like what are your interests there's like that was like one of the big opening things and at this time I had just we'd just started um this podcast so obviously that was like at the forefront of my mind and I was feeling really passionate about it and whatever so um I would say I was I would the way I would word it I was like I was diagnosed or like I really struggled with my health in my early 20s and now um I've just started now I do work to like try and help try and reach other people that are in that scenario um and the fact that I would say like I really struggled with my health in my early 20s was like kind of not really a not a white lie because I don't struggle I genuinely don't struggle with it as much anymore um whereas I really did struggle with it before and that I kind of felt like was a great segue for if they were like an interested compassionate type of person they would ask me what that situation was and then I would be able to expand on it um and then I would kind of go in to explain like it's actually like a chronic condition but I have treatment for it and then I would kind of get into it a little bit more but that is what I found that's what I found most comfortable for me I don't think I would have been comfortable just being like tell me about your life and just being like I have a chronic illness you know like it's just I don't know I would have found that too um I think intense for me to say but that's probably on me. <laughs> that's probably more my problem <laughs> than anything else. But um, yeah, that's kind of the way that I was doing it. And I would do that either, even while we were still like on Bumble before we'd met, or I would, I was saying that like on the first date, you know, so I was, I was disclosing it pretty early. I think that's a really good way to go about it, Amy. Like I struggled with answering this because it has felt like kind of a long time for me at this Mm -hmm. point since I've had like a first date but um yeah I like what you said right there I don't think I could think of a better way to do that and in fact I think that's a really graceful way to do it too is to you're essentially creating space for an invitation to be given like energetically to like want to know more about that Mm -hmm. instead of um you know putting that not that this is in any way a burden, but instead of overwhelming the person on a first date with like, you know, deep information about you, you're providing space for them to show that they're ready for that. Mm-hmm. Like and um, yeah, I just, I, the only thing I wrote down to this question, as I said, I told Zach on the first or second date, and I know I did not do it without much grace at all. I I think because I thought we were just a hookup, I was like, I have this thing called rheumatoid arthritis. It hurts my bones and joints. And like, <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. Um, like, how can I help you? <laughs> oh, oh yes. bless him. Bless. Um, yeah, no, it's really, it is interesting. You've just got to think, like, if you're worried about, like, that person judging you, I just always think, like, what would I do? What would I think if I was receiving this information from someone? And I know that I wouldn't think badly of them. I just wouldn't, you know, I'd want to help them and I'd want to find out more about it. So um, it's the hardest thing to be like, so don't feel too self-conscious about it because you're going to feel self-conscious about it. Um, But the right person will value it about you. They really will. They'll be able to see how it's 
like they'll be able to see like the traits that you've developed from having RA and they will love those things and find those things attractive about you I do believe that and yeah you know it's funny from I'm no longer dating because I do I have a, a new boyfriend now and he actually before I'd really told him much about the RA um he actually listened to episode one of the podcast and I was no like, I was like when, I, when I recorded this I was not thinking that <laughs> someone I'm dating would be listening to it you know straight away absolutely not um so that felt very um you know exposing for sure but great because he heard all about that experience without me having to like look him in the eye and tell him you know and he accessed it on his own and he's still clear with it's still going well so he he wasn't put off by it or whatever and he had all the all the you know nitty gritty things so yeah kind of in the way with you and Zach there are there are absolutely people out there that want to accept you for everything you are and everything you've been through definitely oh I love that that makes me so happy I mean I am all smiles over here I think that's so I'm just gonna cheese out real quick I think that's so sweet that he like took the time to listen to the episode and like hear that for himself that's basically reaching out to different you know resources so like that that goes above and beyond in my head that really sticks out to me I know I know hence Hence why he he progressed from from Bumble to boyfriend. We love him. Oh, I love it. He's lucky too. You are such a gem. (laughs) Thank you. I think, you know what, that question leads like really nicely into one other one we received that said, how do you talk about your chronic illness to your boyfriend without sounding repetitive or annoying? Uh, And um, yeah, I found this question to be fairly interesting because I remember worrying about this when I was first diagnosed that whole aspect of like who's gonna love me like this Mm -hmm. Um, but when I sat down and I really thought about this more uh, the one thing I really wanted to like tell this person is that yes that the chronic illness um, that you know Amy and I have you know rheumatoid arthritis and different chronic illnesses have the potential of being lifelong. And then there are some folks who have had miraculous recoveries that like we can't explain. So I also want to leave some room. I am realistic, but I love to leave room for magic is what I like to say. Always got to leave a little room for some magic in life. So um, yes, I wanted to put that in there. And then I also wanted to just add that totally what Amy said, it's so fantastic. And to add on to what she just said, a person really a person who's going to be a candidate for someone who is going to love you. Love is the most pure form of love in my mind. So it doesn't mean it's for everyone, but in my mind is unconditional love. And unconditional literally means there are no conditions that can come up about you um, that I will not try to work through with you before deciding that this is no longer for me. And I say that because I think of people who have like 
you know, really tough situations where they've been cheated on or they've been abused. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you like unconditional, stay with that. No, not at all. But to me, what unconditional means to me is that I'm going to give this my very best effort to try and understand where you're at and where I'm at so that we can work together so that we can come back to a place of love at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So I really think that if someone is going to love you unconditionally, they're not going to see you as any annoyance or as a burden at all or that you're repetitive. And in fact, what Amy said is exactly what I wrote down. They're going to want to help you because if you think about you know, if they were hurting and they needed your help, you would most likely step up to the plate and help them out if you were in the place to do that. Mm. So, um, yeah. And then I want to add to like something that kind of blew my mind is the fact that like, so my therapist told me this a few years back, but she said, your thoughts are not real yet. So you really need to leave room for the good. And that kind of blew my mind because we can really work ourselves into thinking that once we tell someone about our lives and or an aspect that's tricky about our lives that they're just going to be like later you know and like be like I'm not gonna deal with her or him or them but really like our thoughts are not our reality currently they're just a manifestation of what we believe is going to happen yes. um so don't don't allow yourself to go too far down the rabbit hole of people rejecting you because that's not the reality that's only in your mind at this time mm-hmm. so yeah yeah I also think literally everyone is so repetitive <laughs> by the time you're in a relationship with them like being in a relationship just is repetition and I'm sure your partner probably repeats themselves all the time you know that's what I like they're always talking about work, they're always complaining about the same people at work, they're always, you know, it's just human nature that like everyone has their things that bother them um, and everyone gets repetitive (laughs) and that's part of like being in a close relationship with someone is you tolerate that for them. So I, I don't mean to like pass it off as something lighthearted like work because it's not it is serious and and your partner needs to respect you but just remember that that's part of being in a relationship is like dealing with people's repetitive shit so I'm sure you support your partner in all the ways that they need to share so they will reciprocate that Mm mm-hmm I love that. Yep. Everybody's got their shit, folks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't forget that. It's it, true. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So, yeah, let's just just take the just take the the help and the yeah, and the love and the support. And be as Absolutely. being as repetitive as annoying as you want because that's what they signed up for when when they wanted to go out with you. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I found another question we got that it's just going to completely change the mood here. So Um, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it in the mix. (laughs) So we got a question that says how to find good shoes Mm -hmm. when having RA and in your feet and your toes. Um, And I didn't actually say this the way it was worded, sorry, but they said, and it often hurts slash is swollen. So um, I got really excited about this because I have RA in my feet as well. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I was horrible with shoes in college. Like 
I have something to admit to everyone. I have huge feet. Like I have size 11 in women's feet, like in to 11 and a half. And like, if I can tell you what a struggle it is to find cute shoes in my size, cause they like don't exist. Um, yeah, it's, it's a struggle. Oh. So I have like a few shoe brands I stick to, but, um, that being said in college, I was trying to shove my feet into size 10 shoes, which is a size to a size and a half smaller because they were so cute. And all I wanted was my moment to shine, but it ended up hurting so bad. And I'm pretty sure I was walking real funky in them. So, um, don't do that. Um, <laughs> But what I did find is that when I started seeing a podiatrist, um, so that's a doctor who like focuses on the feet primarily, um, my podiatrist recommended Hoka shoes. And Hoka shoes are these like, typically they're running and walking shoes, but they look a little funny at first, but I'm used to them now. I'm just laughing because I used to make fun of my mom for wearing these and then they were prescribed to me and then my mom made fun of me in a loving way. So we both wear these shoes now. But Hoka shoes, they're like super helpful because they have such good um, support, but they're still soft. So it's not hard. So you don't feel like your foot is being crushed in your shoe. And they're also made mm-hmm. to be wide around, like along the side of your big toe on your pinky toe so that you don't feel a bunch of pressure on your toes either. So um, I would highly recommend it. Um, they have like an all white one now and an all black one, which is such a step up because when I bought mine, mine are like bright blue with bright pink on them. And I feel like a third grader, but my feet feel fabulous. So I still wear them. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I actually did a like a question poll on um, rheumatoid girls probably a couple of years ago and hawkers came up a lot within there. So they are definitely tried and, tried and tested by the community. Um, but yeah, if you want to see some other recommendations, go to rheumatoid girls Instagram account and look at the shoes highlight. And um, yeah, I kind of, I shared everything that everyone submitted. Hawkers were big. All birds were really big as well. Um, and then like, I think those were the ones that really came through. Oh, and I personally love New Balance. Um, so New Balance, they're super ergonomic with the, like the arch support and stuff. But in my opinion, they're not quite as like they're still like kind of trendy they're kind of more on the trendy side than on the um you know super orthopedic side um so yeah I would definitely recommend going and checking out that highlight um and when you're not when it's not a trainer moment in the summer I love tavers which are like the foam base and the um like velcro over and they're great with the swelling because you can velcro them tighter or looser depending like on how swollen your foot is that day which is my not just not a very fun sentence but um yeah they're great they work really well um and yeah I did also Mm. retire big big heels I now only do like kind of kitten heels but it's okay because I feel like I do feel like kitten heels are um kind of more what people are wearing at the moment but yeah I have a rheumatoid nodule 
on the ball of my right toe and that gets really inflamed if I have a lot of pressure going into the ball of my is that am I using is that even the ball of my foot I don't know the base of where your big toe meets your foot I have a nodule there which gets really yeah really inflamed when there's a lot of pressure going into it so I do have to watch for that it's a shame it's one of my it's definitely one of the things I like mourn feels like too strong of a word but I definitely do miss just wearing fab heels for sure first of all I wanted to say that I kind of just had like this pure moment of like oh my gosh yes someone else with the rheumatoid nodule because I had no idea you had that Amy and I have like four of them I have like two on my middle finger on my right hand and I have two on my pointer finger on my left hand and I have still yet to meet anyone else with RA with RA nodules so I when you said that I was like what so yes so see this is the magic of this podcast even I'm learning things it's great yeah I feel like probably more people than we might realize have nodules you know I feel like they're actually they're pretty common but very annoying and painful Mm -hmm. Um, some other helpful things are like at night I try to put my feet above my head so this could look like putting my bottom like against like the wall and having my back on the ground and having my legs up the wall and this is like an inversion that just means that your feet Mm -hmm. are above your head above your heart and it allows for a really good circulation so your body has to switch it up a little bit and it helps you out quite a lot the other thing yeah and then the other thing I was thinking is like I used to do these like Epsom salt baths for my feet I would just get like a hot Mm. like tub going um you can either you can even do it like in a bucket or like a bathtub like properly but just put Epsom salt and really warm water and then put your feet in and if you are looking to elevate that experience put a little bit of baking soda in that baking soda can actually draw out some like toxins from the body but you don't want to put too much in so make sure you research that before you do it um and then compression socks have been helpful Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I love my compression socks. Like when my ankles even are swollen. Oh, that's, that's so great. I love them. Yes. I love a compression Same here. Sock. And like, it's crazy because it feels so good, but there is a moment sometimes where I take them off where I'm like, <laughs> back to the, uh, for a second. <laughs> yeah, no, there, um, there's lots of little, lots of little tricks and stuff that you can, you can apply. Definitely. So maybe one last question how do you cope living with RA? How do you stay positive with a lifelong condition? Mm -hmm. This is a good question. Yeah. um, So I, I think the big thing here is to recognize that it's okay to allow yourself the space you need um, to be able to feel your feelings. So allow yourself the space to cry, allow yourself to go through that, but also we want to make sure we don't get stuck in those in those emotions. So allowing emotions to come in and be released is one thing, but getting really stuck in them can be difficult. So, you know, having a therapist, having a good coach is mm. really helpful. Um, but I also put here that like the biggest thing that has helped me stay positive is really my mindset. And I wish someone else could do the legwork for us in that way where like they could just get our mindset right, but it's really all in us. 
and that can feel like a lot of work on top of what we're already going through but if we switch it and see it as an opportunity just to meet ourselves like like for who we are in this moment and what we need then it can be really empowering and I also put that um you know Mm. for me personally and I don't know if this will be comforting for anyone but I was trying to be really intentional with my words here so I hope this is said in a graceful way but for the first two years like I lived in a mindset of being a very wounded person with no warrior on there just a wounded person and on many levels I felt that I felt wounded emotionally physically mentally spiritually just like I was completely depleted um what that did because I wasn't actively figuring out or looking for ways to help me break that loop that cycle in my mind um is it kept me in that for a long time and that mindset personally kept me from um, growing out of that. So it can be very hard when you get stuck in a cycle. So mindset is huge. Um, But ultimately for me, it took being tired of feeling um, basically just disappointed and like disempowered by myself. Like I felt like I was disempowering myself constantly, just being like, you can't do that. You have RA. I'd say that in my head all the time, or you'll never be able to do that again. You know, um, just that kind of unfriendly voice in our mind at times. Mm -hmm. So when I finally decided I am so tired of disempowering myself, I finally found my why. And that was like a strong enough desire to move me forward with what needed to happen so for me what needed to happen was like researching foods that were inflammatory and then slowly taking those out of my life it did not happen overnight and dairy is extremely addictive and it's so delicious so that took me so so long um but that was like one of the biggest inflammatory foods for me like I flare up so fast with dairy um but yeah what about you, Amy? I'm I'm curious about this one. I feel like it has so many levels to it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what you've just said that it has really resonated with me in terms of I was like I just got tired of disempowering myself, and I it's I remember when I was struggling, all of these things were like really hard to digest. Like I was in a place where like if I'd heard that. I would have been like, well, you can do that, but I can't, you know, like, again, like kind of feeding in exactly to what you were just saying. And I really, this question is really hard to answer because I don't want anything we say to come off as like, you know, flippant or anything. Um, But it it probably, for for some people, it will be really hard to hear. So I just want to acknowledge that, that if this is hard for you to hear, I've been in that space as well and I'm sure Janessa has as well and it it does get easier and you do find ways to cope and you do find ways to to balance out everything that you're feeling about it um I think my answer to this question is it's gonna be the rest of my life right so I'm not I can't live the rest of my life not feeling positive almost the fact that it is a lifelong condition is what motivated me to get to a better place with it because yeah 
I couldn't, I couldn't face the rest of my life feeling all the feelings of, you know, devastation and pain and hopelessness. Like I I wasn't going to do that. So I had to find the alternative. And like Janessa said, that does take work and time and luck as well. It takes like finding the right medication. It takes finding the right people to connect with. And that those are things that you you can't control like it does it does take things falling into place for you as well but those things are gonna happen you just need to like keep keep the faith in that um you know don't I'm really conscious of like putting the onus completely on the individual because that it although you do have a lot of power within the situation you don't have complete power over the situation absolutely not so um yeah it takes time it takes the right things happening for you and it takes the right actions on your part but with all of those things you can build a really strong mindset that even makes you have a better outlook on life potentially than you did before you were diagnosed because you're better able to cope with setbacks and your you can release so much having so much control over your life and you know once you've been through things you you have the the coping skills to get through more things um yeah but I also would add I would say I have a naturally positive predisposition which has really helped me Mm -hmm. so yeah I think that's worth saying I don't like I'm not saying these things I'm not saying everyone can take those sorts of things in their stride you know because they can't like I'm I'm aware that it was probably that kind of thing probably came easier to me mm-hmm. than it would to other yeah, people it's important to recognize I I appreciate you saying that too because like yeah you know that I am a little bit on not the totally other side of the spectrum but somewhere in between where like because I struggle with depression like this aspect was so hard for me and to reach my own personal what I'd call rock bottom took a long time and I kept thinking I was there and I wasn't there um and so I know that's hard for people to hear too but I always want to be honest I never want to give you any false information and yeah yeah it took me a long time but I promise you I love who I am right now and I love who I'm becoming more than I ever did before I had RA and I know that sounds ridiculous, but like, you know, mm-hmm. if you if you can find something right now to just be a small step in the direction you want to go, in the direction you want to see your life go at this time, um, I think that will be really good for you. And we support you and send love to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's really powerful, actually, is focusing on the good that's come out of it. And I acknowledge that that there might not be too much that you perceive as good that's come out of it, but there will be things. There will be. If it's like a different approach to your diet, viewing yourself in a different way, you know, there, I would really, I do really recommend reframing it in a positive way. And that's been a really good tool for me for like building acceptance for it. Mm-hmm. The other thing I was going to add in here is that one thing that I did um, that I just want to caution other people about is like 
when I was trying to stay positive, I went out and I followed all these different people. And like Amy said, you really need to be careful and selective with like who you let into your sphere at that time, especially if you're new with your diagnosis and especially if you're in a vulnerable state, even if it's not new. Um, because there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of opinions. And at the end of the day, it's really what resonates best with you. And so just make sure that it is congruent and aligned with who you are at this time. Um, and also to keep in mind my regret there that I was, you know, by moving towards is that I followed people who I didn't know the background of their journey right away. And I saw these people really happy and like moving around. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I have already so much worse than them. Like they can never relate. Mm. They could, you know, blah, 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 blah. But what I've learned is that that's not true. That came out of like a place of hurt for me. And what I would say to my past self and to anyone who's going through that is that your day one could be someone else's day 650 and you could not know it. So don't mm. judge yourself harshly on where you see other people at and also don't judge people harshly on where they're at because we're all in these different stages of our journey and it's not linear. Like you can be doing great in the beginning and then a couple of years you're going to have a hard time, you know, and, and it fluctuates. So just remember that everyone with RA experiences difficulties um, in yeah. whatever way that is for them. So no one kind of escapes that. But at the same time, people do experience good times too, even with RA, for sure. Yeah, they they absolutely do. I, yeah, I really, I couldn't back that more about being, being really careful about who you follow and who you draw inspiration from and being mindful of um, not comparing yourself. It's a great lesson, not just in chronic illness but in life <laughs> just try to limit the amount that you compare yourself to others and focus on focus on what it is that will make you happy in this moment you know it only needs to be a moment to moment thing it doesn't need to be how am I going to be positive for my whole life just what am I going to do to feel positive today and then all those days will add up mm-hmm. yeah it's like the yeah. in Mimi <laughs> Mimi Bouchard always says like <laughs> yeah. Your days create your weeks, your re- your weeks create your months, your months create your year, and your years create your lifetime. So all these small things you're doing really do add up. And sometimes it's just hard to see it from where we're at in this moment. All right, you all. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. And the questions we didn't get to today, we will get to those at another point. And we look forward to having you back here in two weeks. And until then, remember to let the light in. Bye. Bye.